1: What is up, dolphins fans, and welcome into the Monday, December the 16th, the recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show Dolphins are blown out in Jersey we'll recap Giants 36 Dolphins 20 giving you the individual breakdowns and the five general takeaways from the game plus Devontae Parker's contract extension could Albert Wilson be back in the fold and finally we'll update the draft order and give you the ultimate upshot of this season for the Miami Dolphins. All of that and more on a busy show, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, tuned in, Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, voted the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, by Dolphins Twitter. Check out the show at LockedOnFins. We'll follow you back. And check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the daily written content, including the recap of this game with all the video breakdowns inside. Let's go ahead and jump right in. We start as we do weekly here on the Sunday recap edition slash Monday morning, depending on when you get this podcast into your eardrums with the five takeaways from the Dolphins game on Sunday, Miami fall 36 to 20 to Eli Manning and the New York Giants, just a disappointing game all the way around for Miami. And that leads us and takes us into the first takeaway from the game on Sunday and the number of opportunities that were created there for Miami via the scheme, via the coaching staff, putting these players in positions to make big plays. And they just couldn't finish, whether it was finishing plays, finishing drives, individuals having lapses that cost the Dolphins victories on individual plays throughout the course of this game. And they really could have put this thing not on ice, but they could have given themselves a lot of momentum and a comfortable lead on the scoreboard without so many of those mistakes in the first first half because Ryan Fitzpatrick did break the Dolphins' current record going back four years for most passing yards in a first half he eclipsed over 200 yards the most since that 2015 game against Houston with Ryan Tannehill but even he had his own misses the first of two was a back shoulder throw to Devontae Parker who did a great job of getting his outside shoulder upfield turning his inside shoulder to the back pylon and creating a target for Fitzpatrick but the throw drifted inside and Parker could not make a play instead the DB got his hands on it and then again later in the game to Parker on an in-breaking route which would have moved the chains on a third down play and put the Dolphins in scoring range Miami's first two drives of the game traveled 99 yards and they didn't score any points on those drives due in large part to Fitzpatrick's two misses on those throws the Dolphins also dropped six passes Clive Walford and Patrick Lair both had two drop passes Parker had one Isaiah Ford had one and it prevented Miami from getting red zone success in this game early on in the game. They also had the Brian Fitzpatrick fumble and a safety on a tackle in the backfield on Patrick Laird, who could not make a one-on-one situation miss. So Miami had the opportunities early, couldn't seize them, and the game got away as a result. Takeaway number two, looks like Sam Aguavin might be that fit as a sub-package linebacker that we kind of projected here on Locked on Dolphins back in training camp and throughout the preseason. Aguavin really did well to disrupt the passing lanes, falling back into the hook zones, He's quick and shifty, can commit to the run on play action and get back fast enough to get his arms into the passing lanes on slants and digs and in-breaking routes. He's providing more pressure up front, good lateral pass rush moves, and getting in on the quarterback more than he had previously. He picks up another sack. Sam McGuavin making things happen down the stretch here as a possible sub-package linebacker going forward in this Dolphins defense. Number three takeaway is Miami's success running from double Y packages, offset 12 personnel, and what that means, you bring two tight ends onto the field with one running back that's 12 personnel two receivers and you put both the tight ends in line on the line of scrimmage to one side of the formation and you get extra gaps that way you get a d gap and an e gap off that edge and it gives you more bodies to block off that edge in the running game and that's basically the entirety of the Dolphins running game right now because they get almost no penetration at the point of attack on a down-to-down basis whether it's Dan Kilgore Michael Dieter Evan Brown Shaq Calhoun Evan Baim, whoever they've tried to get into the lineup on the interior. They create no penetration, but rather get walked back into the backfield, and it causes TFL after TFL gets the offense behind schedule. But Credit to the Dolphins coaching staff and run game coordinator, Eric Studsville, for creating these packages and these offset 12 packages, which Miami is not only getting big runs off the edge from those, they're passing the football successfully because it is a running package, and then you get guys like Mike Gesicki running on Alec Ogletree and linebackers, and it creates more space in the middle for guys like Devontae Parker on those dig routes of his own. So the Dolphins getting it done out of 12 personnel and those double Y offset 12 packages on offense. Takeaway number four, we're going to go the other direction here and talk negatively about another edge on this team. We flip the ball over to the other side on defense and how poor the edge run defense has been. For this Dolphins defense and really where a lot of the big lapses come when it comes to the big gains churned out by Saquon Barkley or whether it was last week with Bilal Powell or Miles Sanders previously. It seems like every single week the Dolphins are giving up big off tackle runs and it's because they don't have a true end on this roster. They tried to make it work with Taco Charlton on Sunday. He was misplaced several times. They've tried condensing linebackers like Vince Beagle down into more of a six technique to hold that position and where I think Beagle does a good enough job to dent that edge and create an opportunity. For a player behind him, the Dolphins linebacker filling that gap just has not gotten there fast enough or been strong enough to hold off a block, shake that block, and make a tackle on that play. So whether it's running off Avery Moss or Taco Charlton or Charles Harris who was inactive in the game on Sunday, we'll talk more about that. The Dolphins edge run defense just does not set a strong edge and it gives up way too many runs where the running back's first contact is made by a secondary player at the second or third level as they get into the deep part of the field with a big run. Takeaway number five is just that I think this levy might have finally broken on Sunday. And that's the theme of the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com titled, The Levy Broke in Jersey, Dolphins-Giants Week 15 Recap, as we are recapping the five takeaways here. And I just think this team probably reached its breaking point in the second half of this game. We've seen them consistently have to turn over the roster, adding new players to the roster every single week. And not just adding them, but having to get them into the lineup on Sundays as they did it more on this Sunday. They broke the previous record with 78 players used in a single season as Miami have now used 80 different players on their roster. Guys like Nate Brooks, who I never even heard of before this game, was out there playing. The Dolphins are comprised of 23 undrafted free agents. That 43% is the most in the NFL. They've made 74 roster moves since week one and have 17 players on injured reserve. All of both of those, I should say, rank number two, I'm assuming behind the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think this is the breaking point we talked about. How long can Brian Flores keep this team competitive and keep them in games and keep the message consistent across new guys every single week coming into new position rooms on a weekly basis? Can they continue to get performances out of these street free agents? Well, the answer on Sunday was no. Nate Brooks got ran up and down the field in this one by Darius Slayton. They tried to fill in with other guys. The position, Lyndon Stevens was out there. And I'm not one to sit here and tell these guys that they're not capable of playing in the league, but a lot of these guys were available or not valued enough to be signed off of practice squads by other teams. So they get their shot here in Miami and the Dolphins are just running through them, trying to replace all those players. They either shut down, put on an injured reserve, cut or traded as this roster has been depleted in each and every way you could possibly imagine. And we're finally, I think, seeing the results of that. That's kind of what I assume this team would look like all season long, but the Dolphins were competitive for a two month draft. because of good schemes, creating opportunities for those players, and having enough guys to finish those plays, like we talked about in the first takeaway, to not lose games in bad fashion like they did on Sunday against the New York Giants. So competitive games could be gone from now on out, the last two games of the season as the levy has officially broke, and if it hasn't, we'll have more to talk about on the podcast next Sunday about Brian Flores getting a rebound from this group who is so badly depleted. All right, we're going to come back and talk about the individuals on the other side of the podcast. And for the longest time, talking about your sex life was an individual thing you did by yourself. But now in 2019 and the power of podcast, it doesn't have to be. And I'm here to tell you guys about how you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence when it comes to the bedroom with bluechew.com. Listen up, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. And right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code LOCKEDON. All caps, one word. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free today. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast.
0: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason...
1: Eight quarters from it all coming to an end. This very challenging twenty nineteen Miami Dolphins season has now reached the point that we are almost a Christmas and the new year and the end of football in twenty nineteen and the college Football regular season, I suppose, officially capped on Saturday, and I had some money on that Army-Navy game, my favorite annual tradition, taking the under in Army-Navy. It pops almost every single year, although this season, it was a lot more white-knuckle. It never felt like the under was going to pop until the very end. Thankfully, it did, and now I have some extra walking around cash. For Miami, when I arrive next Thursday night on a red-eye, my wife will be there for the weekend and pretty much all next week. So come say what's up. Speaking of the wife, I told you guys on Twitter, I had no wife in the house this weekend, had it all to myself, went for the Papa John 40 pizzas in 30 days challenge. I guess it's safe to say that I'm not cut out to sweat pizza out of my pores. And I think we could probably safely say that I'm just not in the pizza category because I tried getting through two pizzas in two days and I couldn't do it. I got through one and a half. Yeah finished up my pizza. I love pizza, but 40 pizzas in 30 days. I challenge you on that, Papa John. I don't think that's doable. Let's stop talking about pizza now and get back to the podcast and talk about the individual performances from this game. But first, real quick, this game just really got out of hand in that third quarter as the Dolphins really were outperforming the Giants in the first half. Talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick going over 200 passing yards in that first half, and he officially now, with 33 more rushing yards, is the Dolphins' leading rusher on the season. But then the intermission. Came and the Dolphins got scored, outscored, I should say, 16 to 0 in that third quarter. The Giants would score the first 13 points of the fourth quarter as well, so 29 consecutive points getting boat raced there by the New York Giants. The Dolphins were outgained 187 to 19 yards in that third quarter. Just a brutal, brutal turn once the teams broke for halftime. In total, though, Miami was not outgained that outrageously, just 412 to 384. Miami had another good rushing performance in the yardage category. I think a lot of that was garbage time they picked up 122 to the giants 138 the dolphins had 262 passing giants 274 miami was just 4 for 16 on third and fourth down 25% well below their their season average the giants were 5 for 11 that's 45.5% miami committed seven penalties in the game for 42 yards giants had four for 32 yards miami had the one sack giants had three sacks and the dolphins had 28 and a half minutes of time of possession in the game And just real quick, one last aside, it's weird that all the bad officiating seems to be going against Miami this year. Like if you saw Ryan Fitzpatrick's fumble, which first off, just get down, dude. Like what are you doing trying to run around out there like that? That call still was terrible because Fitzpatrick had the ball tucked away in his arm, his knees on the ground and then it starts to move and so for some reason they had to go with the call on the field because it stood. I didn't understand that, a terrible call. But again, it seems like Miami's catching the bad side of things this year. Hopefully that karma train comes back around next year when this team is ready to be competitive because it's been brutal this year on top of all the brutal things. And sticking with Ryan Fort with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the quarterback position, he looked sharp early on dissecting the Giants zone defense. When you try to play zone and go too deep against this guy, he's going to find those vertical shots on the inside, and he just lets that thing rip, man. He was really getting after it, thrown with velocity. His first touchdown pass to Devontae Parker was a gorgeous strike up the seam where he moved the safety Antoine Bethea with a look to the right, came back to the left, and just drilled that thing in there for a first down. He moved the chains with his legs again, continues to get off the spot when pressure arrives. If it wasn't for Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't know where this team would be right now. I think you're not going to see any Josh Rosen because... We know that Rosen can't run the offense. Fitzpatrick's doing as much as he possibly can with it. And even though there are mistakes and some missed throws and the poor decision to not slide earlier, Fitzpatrick's playing really well at the quarterback position right now. And I think it'd be tough to upgrade what he's done this year with what's out there available. At the running back position, I think both these guys are struggling in this game, Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin. Pass protection remains an issue for both of them, especially Laird, who seems to get ran over each and every week. He dropped two more passes. He failed to win that one-on-one stretch stretch zone, outside run, and I know you'll put that on the offensive play call or the offensive line. They got him into a one-on-one situation. That's a play where the running back gets paid to beat that guy. He did not. He did have an 18-yard run off the edge that saved his average and got him to 3.8 yards per carry, but I think a pretty underwhelming day from Patrick Laird, mostly in the passing game. Gaskin had a 27-yarder in garbage time. That brought his total to nine carries for 43 yards. He, too, got railroaded in pass protection on one play in particular. We'll come back in the third segment and talk about Devontae Parker, but first, his individual performance in this game I thought was more of the same. He does so well to stack those guys behind him and give himself a position, or puts himself in position, rather, to make a play on the football, and when it's there, he usually does. He did have a bad drop on a play where he ran a square-in route and tried to turn up field for the first down before he secured the football, and it popped out, but another 72 yards and two touchdowns for Devontae Parker. He is just soaring up the charts as far as leading the NFL in certain categories as a receiver, and Al Robert Wilson for the first time this year I thought looked normal and while I do think that when he retreats after he catches the ball very Jarvis Landry like is very frustrating you'll see him catch the ball two yards short of the sticks and then work backwards as he tries to set up his broken tackles after that and that's fun to watch and all but just get the damn first down but mostly above all that I thought he looked more explosive than he had since that injury last year in October we're now 14 months removed from a serious hip injury that basically is his entire game as he has to move and shake in space like that, but it makes me wonder when you see him involved to the tune of eight targets, five catches, 59 yards, and he has that shifty quality in condensed spaces that will provide this offense with two very utilizable traits going forward. One, the fact that he can uncover quickly from the slot on two-way goes, because you might get a lot of one-on-one matchups in the slot in this with this offense when you have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker going forward, and two, they can key so much misdirection based off of his motion and his ability to carry the football or jet sweep or catch flat routes and make big plays, you can hold the linebacker's eyes with his presence on those motion looks. And this team uses a lot of motion to indicate ideas pre-snap. So I think that he has that in the bag for him. The start-stop ability, the quick catch and run after the catch. He could be a good fit in this offense. And next year, he cost you 8 million bucks. And I'm not going to argue that that's not, cheap because it's not it's expensive for a player like Wilson but the Dolphins have money coming out of their eyeballs next year we know they can't possibly spend it you won't owe him any cash commitments beyond 2020 so why not give yourself one year of 8 million dollars to fully evaluate this guy healthy a good fit for your offense if it's not a good fit for you you can say goodbye with no penalties in 2021 and all you did was waste a few million bucks in the interim I think he could really come back and be your fourth receiver along with Allen Hearns, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams other receivers I thought Hearns and Ford had bad days. Ford took a pass right off the face mask that could have been a touchdown I thought Mike Kosicki had a nice day getting those matchups on safeties and linebackers he goes for 47 yards on four catches on eight targets though as they went after him early and often we talked about those 12 personnel offset formations both Clive Walford and Durham Smythe had some really nice blocks working off that edge and I thought Walford was going to have a big day but he dropped two of his four uh, four targets could have had four catches and a bunch of nice blocks on the day but he ruined that the offensive line was just a complete disaster once again my Michael Dieter, to me, his issues seem more mechanical than anything, consistently off balance, doesn't really have the conviction and confidence, and he misses an assignment seemingly every single game so far this season. Daniel Kilgore just cannot get out in front of those reach blocks. He can't anchor, and he rarely blows anybody off the ball. I think center is a massive need for this team this offseason. Jesse Davis, to me, continues to get better and better at that initial kick slide and pass set as a right tackle. I think he's living up to his end of the bargain on a lot of those offset 12 personnel runs that get the team to the edge and those big running games. And then we have Evan Brown, Shaq Calhoun, and Jamarcus Webb, who I thought were all difficult to watch in this game. Flip it over to the other side of the ball to Von Godshot, we'll just say it every single week, consistent power, consistently creates space or clogs up space and creates plays for other guys, but also makes a bunch of tackles. He now has 65 tackles on the season. Christian Wilkins is kind of the same, but less than that. He's not as consistent, but he does have the big flash plays and finds his way into the backfield from time to time. thought Taco Charlton had a rough game in this one, trying to help set the edge. So did Avery Moss. The Dolphins' edge defenders just could not get it done in this game. But the linebacker position, I thought, played very well. We talked about Sam- Sam McGuavin. Nice work getting that sack, applying pressure on the quarterback, falling back into the hook zone, tipping footballs, and Jerome Baker did much of that as well. 12 total tackles, a pick, a pass breakup, and he was really triggering things today, seeing it and pulling his trigger and keying those runs and he had a big impact getting into the backfield several times. Big, big game for Jerome Baker. Love the way Vince Beagle fell into the hook zone for that interception, picking off that pass, replacing the spot of Nick Needham on that zone coverage. A good job of the Dolphins coaching staff changing the the picture. He also dents the edge in the run game a whole lot himself. And quad McMillan left with an injury. He did not return. I thought his impact was minimal to begin with. In the defensive backfield, it's just, it's at a point right now where we really can't hold up anymore. Nate Brooks got taken up and down the field. Lyndon Stevens had some action, played a little bit, had two tackles. Eric Rowe had four tackles in the game. I thought was probably the best of the defensive backs playing that in the box safety role. Nick Needham had the ups and the downs, including a very nice tackle on Saquon Barkley, but then coming back and getting completely juked out of his jockstrap. That was crazy. He was also the guy that got his hands in the football on that 51-yard touchdown catch to Golden Tate. Good job competing at the catch point. He did turn Tate and get a DPI call on himself, but bad luck to have it tipped up into the air and Tate to run under it for the big-time touchdown. Jamal Wiltz, I think, looks really good competing up in short areas, making tackles down around the line of scrimmage and playing in the slot, pressing guys off that spot as well. So you guys can read all the individual breakdowns on this up on LockedOnDolphins.com. With all the videos, we're going to come back and talk about draft order, Devonte Parker. But first, I got some great sleep over the weekend, and you can too. With the original Casper mattress, it combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL and using Locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked Riding might be on the wall at this stage of the career of Charles Harris. The 2017 first-round draft pick number 22 overall. Two-year Miami Dolphins has seen his workload decreasing as the second half of the season has gone along. Played as little as 9, 14, and 16 snaps over the last two months. On Sunday, he was inactive. Perhaps we could be seeing the end of Charles Harris. One of the more underwhelming first-round draft picks in recent memory for this Dolphins team. We're going to talk about the draft here in just one second, but perhaps the Dolphins could be eyeing a selection of Chase Young at the top of the draft if they get high enough, but I'll go ahead and tell you right now, and you don't have to like it. I'm just going to tell you how it is. The Chase Young fit in this defense is not as clear-cut and dry as you might think it is. This defense wants to rush to contain, to hold guys in the pocket, and force the quarterback to throw into coverage and get pressure out of linebackers, and that means you need a big, strong guy to set set the edge upfield, and work back underneath the edge. I'm not saying Chase Young can't do that, but that's not exactly what fits him as best as far as being a true 4-3 edge rusher, just going upfield and taking havoc on quarterbacks. But if you want the scheme to fully work, I'm not sure Chase Young is the perfect fit for that, especially not in the top three of the draft. So while you might hear that from other folks around this team, just know that that's probably not what they want to do as far as the Miami Dolphins go. And to jump back into the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the Levy Breaks in Jersey, Giants-Dolphins Week 15 Recap, And in that final segment in there, I talk about the upshot from the season, how Miami essentially got to play a 16-game preseason, an extended evaluation of the season, because this whole year was about trying to secure that high draft pick, find the quarterback of the future. Hopefully the coaching staff installs their, their culture and the program they want to have instilled here in Miami. And it looks like all those things happened. But the upshot was, in doing so, The Dolphins have uncovered about thirteen or fourteen core pieces going forward, between Devontae Parker getting his extension, that'll be next, Nick Needham kind of blowing up the way he has, Mike Gasicki looking like a bona fide true eleven personnel starting tight end, Vince Beagle looking like a surefire fit in the rotation at linebacker, Eric Rowe getting the extension at safety, they join guys like Godshaw, McMillan, and Baker. You've got guys coming off the IR like Preston Williams, Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, maybe Jakeem Grant, Jonathan Ledbetter. A lot of folks seem to have forgotten about him, but in the process of doing this, the Dolphins probably discovered five or six guys that they otherwise would have not gotten from an entire evaluation year like this in 2016. So, it's great news. We know they're going to add more players to this core and to this roster through the draft and free agency. And with that, we have to update the Dolphins draft order as they jump to number three on Sunday as a result of the strength of schedules around the league. And the Dolphins go to number three with the same strength of schedule as Washington at 489. And then from there, the tie breaking scenarios basically turns into the same thing you would use for the playoffs a division tiebreaker conference tiebreaker head-to-head then gets in there frankly I'm not entirely sure how that works beyond strength of schedule because it's a little bit convoluted to me we'll look into it later this week but know for now the Dolphins currently pick third in the draft if the season were to end today there are still two games left and a bunch of big games included in that stretch including Dolphins and Bengals the number one versus number three and Giants and Washington number two versus number four in the draft order next week so we'll know a lot more by this time next week what the draft looks like but I know this if the Dolphins lose the last two they will pick no worse than third and could possibly pick even second in the draft if they lose the final two games if they win one of the last two they will pick no lower than fifth in 2020's draft and given the way this team looked on Sunday I don't think there's any way they win both the games so we won't even venture into that possibility as it looks like the Dolphins could get a top three draft pick. The unfortunate news is the Titans did not hold up their end of the bargain. They lose to Houston, and it looks like the Texans will take the AFC South and have that pick go no lower than 22nd. Even if they lose in the first round, they'll probably be ahead of the team that loses from the NFC East. So that pick goes 22nd at highest. We'll see what happens with Pittsburgh and Buffalo as I go ahead and produce this podcast during that game. But the Bills, if the Bills beat Pittsburgh, they could possibly fall out of the playoff contention and maybe get that pick back into the top 20. But Right now, it looks like Miami's going to be picking twice in the mid-20s via Houston and Pittsburgh. All right, so Devontae Parker got a contract extension over the weekend. It goes four years, $40 million that guarantees him $21.5 million in guaranteed cash. Essentially, this is a two-year deal with two team options as Miami can get out of the deal after 2021 with very minimal penalty that season. And then again after 2022 with virtually no penalty. It's a low risk, high reward. Parker signs it at $10 million annual per year, which makes him the 24th you <laughs> highest paid receiver on an annual basis in the NFL. He makes the same amount as Devin Funchess got in Indianapolis and is basically slotted in with all the best slot receivers in the game, which we know Parker is a perimeter number one type of receiver. A total bargain, a bargain that Parker earned, an example of how what you work with these guys and this new staff and the clean slate, if you buy in, it will get you paid, you will produce. It's a great example for this team that you don't give up on talent. We've seen the Patriots do this in the past, whether it was bringing in Danny Shelton for a condition draft pick or signing obi melafonwu off the street they do it all the time and now miami with their own guy and self-scouting have done it with Devonte parker and he's proven that if you commit yourself in the weight room in the kitchen on the practice field you're always available to practice and in the meeting rooms and you get the finer points of the game really hammered out you can have your talent shine through in this system and Devonte parker has done that now i think and I went ahead and began a charting project on Devontae Parker's receptions, and frankly, most of his catches come out of that boundary X position, where he's to the short side of the field, he gets one-on-one coverage, and then he can work back down the stem on that route, whether it's a hitch, a comeback, a back shoulder, or a straight vertical. He has done really well to stack defensive backs, chase the blind spot, and box them out, and you know, use his strong hands, and really put his back up against the defensive back to create that space and separation. I could really see Devontae Parker going down as an all-time Dolphins fan favorite if he continues to produce at this level. An easy story to root for. A guy that wanted to rewrite his legacy in Miami. It means a whole lot to him. He wants to retire here in Miami. It's a great contract, and I'm super happy they got it done. I am rooting very hard for Devontae Parker to make this contract worthwhile. Watching both he and Preston Williams together is a lot of fun. I popped on the Jets game, the first one from earlier in the season over the weekend while while I ate my 40 pizzas in 30 days. They just put the defense in So much peril when they're on the field together in that 12 offset personnel. That's a dangerous combination. Or if you want to go 11 personnel, use one to the field, one to the boundary with that takeoff conversion or the field side two-way go. It gives defenses so much to think about. And it's crazy to think that this could be the most secure position on the entire team between the pass catchers at wide receiver and tight end. And it makes the offense really a lot more exciting to watch and gives this scheme a chance to make big plays down the field from either of those two guys. Looks like the passing game is almost ready to be built and turned around. Of course, the quarterback position will tell us a lot about that going forward, as well as the offensive line, get the running game going. But we have all offseason to dissect all those issues and try to fill out those needs. We'll do that plenty here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast going forward, but let's go ahead now and wrap this thing up. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at LinkfulNFL. Follow the show at lockdown Fins. And keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again on Tuesday for the Aftermath edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.
0: Staffle the limbs off his torso and sleep and burn what remains so the world may now sleep. No longer, but we wait for your answers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.